On a recent Saturday, my husband Elijah and I got up early to go to our storage unit. As you know by now, we are preparing for a move to Nashville, Tennessee. Going to our storage facility, my hope was that we would be able to consolidate the treasure and dispense with the junk. I don't want to move with boxes and boxes of things that we never use. Time to let go of the dead weight. Some things were easy to put in the giveaway pile. The keyboard that I haven't touched in nearly a decade. Old cups and dishes that served their purpose once, but honestly we haven't missed. Clothes that have fallen out of fashion. Shoes that never really fit. One box was full of CDs. I was a big collector in the days before streaming, and I've never been able to let go of my favorites. It's not every album, but it's those albums that became obsessions. The music that defined eras of my life that will always take me right back there. At first, I toyed with the idea of giving even these favorites away. I know they're obsolete. I have Spotify. But as I sat with that box of albums on the floor of our storage unit, my heart said, keep them. I taped the box closed and put it back. These were things for me that were worth carrying on. Going through what you've got and choosing what you're going to keep, it's a common experience. You've done it. In the decades after Jesus' death and resurrection, his followers had to do it. They had to go through everything they remembered about Jesus and everything that had been said and written down about him and choose what to keep. They had to decide what their movement was about. They had to decide what they would hand on to future generations as Christianity. The author of the first epistle of John was part of this process. He knew that when it came to Jesus, not all of the rumors were true. Like some people were saying that Jesus was not human, that he was an entirely spiritual being, all God, no man. But this person, this John, who may or may not have been the gospel writer, John knew that something important would be lost if Jesus' humanity were forgotten. He did not want that truth to get packed away. Today, when we name Jesus as fully God and fully human, when we celebrate not only his divine power, but his embodiment and his identification with us, we have people like John to thank. This morning, we will get into more of what John had to say in his first epistle, particularly on the theme of love. But before we do, let us pray. Spirit of God, as we read your word, guide us into all truth and teach us how to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear now the word of God. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is the gospel, highly concentrated. Every single verse is packed full with the love of God. God is love, according to John. And we know this. We can be sure that God is love because of Jesus. In Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, true love has been revealed. In Jesus, we find forgiveness, renewal, and a new identity as beloved children of God. And it's as God's children that we have a calling, a charge that's repeatedly given to love one another. Love is the message. It's crystal clear here in this text and throughout our tradition If you've been on this Christian journey for a while, you've heard this song a million times on the way. You know it's about love. Stephen Covey, the businessman who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, famously said that in a successful life, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Have you heard that? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I had never actually heard that phrase until a friend of mine was planning a career change. She was going to leave her corporate job to focus on her passion for music. And she put that phrase as a poster on her wall. Keep the main thing the main thing. Her transition took some time, but with determination she made the shift so that the main thing, music in her case was how she spent her time and made her money. For Christians, you might say that love is the main thing. Now, you might not have those words emblazoned on your wall, but I'll bet you've given yourself some kind of reminder. For me, it's the cross on my wall, the inspirational quotes on my desk. They're about love. That's why they're there. But love is not decoration. Love is the main thing. And if love is the main thing, it's not enough just to say it. We have to keep love central. Are we? Maybe God is inviting us to check. What do you love more than love? It's the title of one of my favorite Dar Williams songs, And it is a pointed question for people who follow Jesus. We are called to love. What's getting in our way? What do you love more than love? 
Maybe something comes to mind right away. There's something that you can't stop thinking about. There's something you can't stop doing. It might be something of which you are ashamed, something on which society frowns. But then again, there are many worthy things that can masquerade as the main thing. Work, health, safety, financial security, physical fitness, peace, justice, truth, righteousness. None of these things, not even the really pious sounding ones, can be the main thing if love is the main thing. Love is the main thing and everything else follows. I think this is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Love is everything. Love is all. So, what do you love more than love? Maybe you know, but maybe you want to be sure what we're talking about. Like, what is love? Last week when Emily shared a Peanuts cartoon as part of her sermon, I was reminded of a book I grew up with, a hand-me-down from my aunt, called Love is Walking Hand in Hand. It starred Charlie Brown and the gang and featured on every page a different illustration of love. Love is walking hand in hand. Love is sharing your popcorn. Love is visiting a sick friend. Love is letting him win even though you know you could slaughter him. Love is liking people. As you can hear, the definitions of love in this book really range from the silly to the serious, from the profound to the banal. And love is hard to define. It's a word that takes a bundle of meanings. The love we're talking about, the love in John's letter, it might not surprise you to hear, is agape. Agape. More than romantic attraction, more than the affection shared by friends. Agape is the highest possible form of love, sacrificial love that gives without expecting a return. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., agape is the love of God operating in the human heart. When we rise to love on the agape level, he said, we love people not because we like them, Not because their attitudes and ways appeal to us, but we love them because God loves them. Agape, you see, is holy love deep and wide enough to embrace not only friends and family, but neighbors, strangers, and enemies. Agape is unconditional. Agape is generous. Agape is self-forgetting. Agape is sacrificial love. That's the love we're talking about. Now, what do you love more than that kind of love? 
think if we're honest, there may be a lot of things. Beloved, let us love one another. All of a sudden, this sweet, lovey-dovey scripture seems really challenging. And it's good to be challenged. It's good to examine our lives and to stretch ourselves toward a higher love. We should remember as we face the troubles of our time from climate change to racial injustice to the Delta variant, we should remember that we are called always and above all to be loving. What might change if we made love the main thing, not only in our personal lives, but in our work lives, in our social lives, in our political lives? Surely the main thing must come to shape everything else. As we consider our daily living, we can ask in the immortal words of Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? I'm serious. For every thought, every idea, every choice, every policy, every practice, what does love have to do with this? Is this loving? Is this loving at the level of agape, where love is active and inclusive and unconditional? Is this loving? How so? What might make it more so? We might come to different answers, even about the same things. I think that's all right. I have a hunch that asking is what matters. What's love got to do with it? Since the staff first started planning the Summer Playlist series, we've called this week Songs That Inspire Us to Love Better. And I do hope that you'll go forth inspired today. But I also know that many of us, most of us, are feeling a bit tired to be inspired. I don't want to issue a challenge without reminding you that when it comes to love, we have help. We are not out here doing this on our own. John is clear. He never speaks of love without speaking of God, too. Scripture does not call us to love without reminding us that we are loved by God, first, foremost, and forever. Not even our inevitable failure to love others could alter God's love for us. God's love is constant, a natural law like gravity. In the words of the author Sarah Bessie, love has happened, and it is happening, and it will happen. Love does not depend on us. Love does not depend on us. But love does involve us. And it is this involvement that we can expect in our life with God. The theologian Miroslav Wolf put it this way. Love is not, first of all, human love, but God's love. 
In relation to humans, love is primarily love received, not love practiced, or rather, it is love practiced as love received. The love that we receive from God is the very same love that we pass on to others. And in this way, Wolf suggests, human love is an echo of divine love. Human love is an echo of divine love. And like an echo, human love follows divine love, spreading it, amplifying it, until everyone can hear. Imagine that. Love is a melody that God sings. And at first, if we have ears to hear, we may simply choose to listen. But soon, soon we pick it up, soon we join in, and soon we are carrying the tune of love together, effortless, harmonious, a gift received and shared. Leaving our storage unit, I was not sure that I had made all the right choices. I'm probably going to be unpacking some of the same stuff years from now. Because like anyone, I have a hard time knowing what's important. But what's most important, I've got. What's most important, I've got. And it's coming with me wherever I go. What I do with it and what it does with me will be the great adventure of my life. May the same go for you and for us and for all. Amen.